Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. You know, today has been a day of sequels, and we had Bob and Cheryl Moeller back in the studio. They were here about a week ago. And boy, hour two is every bit the same. We've got a sequel with uh, Beverly Canaris. She's going to come in, and we're going to continue our discussion on the Holy Spirit because we did not cover all of the the bases last time she was here, and we have still so much to talk about. You're going to love this hour. So grab your Bible, get it open, get some note paper to write some notes with. And also, we're going to take any questions you have about the Holy Spirit, because, frankly, we don't study it enough, I don't think. So we're going to take a little 60-second break, and then we'll bring Bev on. And uh, again, if you have uh, questions about the Holy Spirit or things you'd like us to probe or investigate or do our best to answer, 877-933-2484. Be back in 60 seconds. going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. Beverly Canaris is my guest in studio, and you know her as a author and Bible teacher, and she uh, led Bible, was a teaching leader for Bible Study Fellowship for 30 years. That's every week for uh, nine months. So she was a very committed person to BSF and has been a mentor to many, and she loves to teach the Bible and share the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to build up the body. So always love having her in studio. And we started a discussion uh, a couple of weeks ago about the Holy Spirit, and we just started scratching the surface, and we realized we needed a sequel. So today is Sequel Wednesday. So um, we're back talking about more the, of the Holy Spirit. Bev, welcome back. Thank you, Bill. Great to be back. Love the topic, and it's I been a fruitful topic in my own life okay. as I've been thinking and praying and reviewing all the scriptures about him. It's It's been, it's it's rich, and it's something I needed to be reminded of, and, and I bet there are many like me. Oh, I'm sure there is. So let's dig in. Okay. Well, I just see that there is, the Holy Spirit in us is potential. Have you ever looked in the face of a child? I certainly have and said, oh, the potential here. I And I just start to see all these wonderful traits coming out in them. Some not so wonderful. There's potential there for that as well. But the face of a child says to me, potential. But then I think as adults, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we go, I don't see any potential here. I, you kind of get a sense of hopelessness that nothing's going to change, that you're kind of in these deep ruts of sinful behavior and you don't know the way out. Um, I today really want to share God's word with everyone in order to restore in each one of us an excitement for our God-given potential. Wow, that's ambitious. As, it is. As we get older, I think we kind of lose that excitement that Why? God has put in us. Why? The Holy Spirit yeah. for potential. Why? Um, I think, I, we, I think about, we settle. Okay. What do you think, Bill? Well, when you said you look in the mirror and you go, uh, I don't see potential, I think that's a lot of people. Yeah. And I think it's a default position for many. It is. Yeah. Maybe it's experiences, maybe it's mistakes, maybe it's failures, maybe, you know, your mind has a way of thinking, I see my faults more than anything. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. And there's no way out and there's no changing. Right. So I I, sh- I shave in the dark. <laughs> oh, that's not good, Bill. No, that no. explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to the Holy Spirit. Um, let's just review uh, some of the basics first. Remember, as the way to receive the Holy Spirit is when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. This is when he comes into our heart. We are cleansed of our sin 
and we commit our life then to him. At that point, uh, we are promised that the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. This is called being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then, thereafter, there is this command in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that we don't have the Holy Spirit anymore, that we have to keep asking for him to come into our life. He's there. Being filled means that you're under his control in any given situation. Fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, as I need to talk with this family member about these very difficult issues. Fill me. Fill me so I can share my faith with others. Um, It's being under his control. So that's kind of the basics we went over carefully the first two times. But Galatians 5, 22 through 23 describes for us the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So this is kind of where I'm going to spend our time today, the fruit. This fruit is our potential. So listen to Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit, singular there, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the, uh, the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So those nine qualities are character traits that live in each believer through his presence. So just let that sink in a minute. All nine of those traits, if you have the Holy Spirit, these are his characteristics. Now, um, it's those are his characteristics. His characteristic. And if he is present in you, so are all of these nine traits. And it's a package. It's not that I don't have three of these or six of them or nine of them. <laughs> I have them all. But what Mm. happens is many of these traits, when you're talking about fruit, picture this. Many of these traits may be immature in our lives. And just like fruit on a tree, they're not seen, but the potential is there. Just like you might see an apple tree early in the spring, even before the bud of the blossom comes out. There is going to come out of their fruit. But first, you're going to have to wait for the blossom. Then you're going to have to see a little piece of fruit, and then it's going to ripen. And I think many of us in our lives have a lot of um, immature fruit. We haven't developed them uh, as we have that potential to develop. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So when we grow in these traits of the Holy Spirit, it gives life, real life, the quality of life that Jesus termed as abundant life. But we have to develop um, and cooperate with the Holy Spirit to bring about these different qualities. We need to grow in them. And then we can become influencers of the life of God to others. So this is how God realizes our potential. He has this potential. He's put his own presence, spirit within us, and that needs to be what starts growing out of us as we mature in our Christian walk. I think it's great, Bev, that we can remind listeners that when you come to faith in Christ, this is a software update. These are qualities of 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 Jesus, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. I think sometimes people think of the the fruits of the Spirit like they lay on some buffet table and you look at them and think, boy, you know, I could use some more patience. I better go try to get some of that now that I'm a Christian. Right. But it's not that way at all, is it? It isn't. It's more becoming like Christ, mm-hmm. a whole personality. Um, this is what it looks like. These are some of the ways that it looks But um, I think the potential lies and the excitement is that we all have this potential for these nine qualities. We don't have to settle. Mm -hmm. We don't have to look away um, when we look in the mirror. We can be excited again about growing in our Christian faith. 
And that is um, exciting for us to just recognize that this is, you know, what God has planted in our heart and given us this incredible gift. I don't think we realize what a gift this is. We don't. We don't. And I, I don't think we can think about it enough, contemplate it, meditate on this, um, thank him enough for this great gift. Jesus taught also in Matthew 7 that we will recognize a false prophet by their fruit. That's very instructive. That has helped me many times when I've been trying to discern who to listen to, um, what to read, um, when I've been trying to discern if someone has, you know, really committed their life to Christ, look at the fruit. In other words, if we are truly in Christ, we're going to see some of these characteristics, however immature, uh, you, you desire them, you want to develop them, you want them to come out. Jesus really explained that if a tree is good, it's going to yield good fruit. But if the tree is bad, it's going to bear bad fruit. So that's so helpful in discerning who we listen to. It's also really helpful for self-examination. Wonderful. Bev Canaris is my guest. We're going to take a little break. We're open to questions. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to keep on these fruits, these nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. We're going to love talking about this. We'll be back in 90 seconds. to the show. Good Holy Spirit music, isn't it? Perfect. Yeah, I love it. We're talking to Beverly Canaris. She's in the studio. She's a 30-year BSF teacher and loves uh, loves to share and teach the Bible and share the gospel. And we're talking about the uh, Holy Spirit today because it's just a discussion I don't think we have enough. And we need to be of um, more understanding of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and how it how we interact in our lives and how the Holy Spirit leads us and comforts us and guides us. And we also want to talk about the fruit. And um, so where do we leave off, Bev? Well, we left off that fruit is a way to recognize um, a person's sincerity of their Christian confession. Of um, It's another way to see if the, you should be listening to this person and being influenced by them. If there's not any fruit there, um, then perhaps we're listening to the wrong person. So that's been very helpful for me in my life as I've been reading books and I've, as I've listened to pastors and follow podcasts, things like that. It's very helpful to evaluate that and also for ourselves as well. But here's the big caution when we start talking about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The, this is really, we have to say this again and again today, you cannot produce them these traits in ourselves with our own willpower, we are absolutely, totally dependent on the Holy Spirit's power to manifest these qualities in us. I love Francis Chan's book, uh, The Forgotten God, where he writes about the Holy Spirit. And he, he wrote, God wants to see his children stake everything on his power and presence in their lives. So we, we just can't do it without his power and without his presence. 
but he can he's the one he's the gardener he's the one that will prune us and uh, develop that fruit in our life as we seek him and as we walk obediently with him so then do you have a question like does that mean we don't do anything you know can we just sit sit Mm -hmm. back and say okay just zap me you know from above and i'm going to have all these nine wonderful traits no i don't think so i as we look back into galatians 5 and surrounding list the verses surrounding this list of the fruits of the spirit we can see how we're involved and there's a lot of good instruction here starting in galatians uh, five thirteen through twenty six. That's the context that these nine traits are um, given to us. So you need to whenever you you don't want to just pick two verses out. Like it's easy to do, especially here with just the fruits of the the fruit of the spirit. But what we want to do is we want to look what comes before it, what comes after it, and that's very instructive for us. So Galatians in five, chapter five, the last half of it here, we have two ways of life that he contrasts. And they're really opposing lifestyles. The contrast is between living in the flesh, our own way, our own power, or living by the spirit, which is God's power and God's way. So he gives us examples of what it looks like to live God's way. And that was what we just read earlier was these nine uh, traits or the fruit of the spirit. That's what that looks like living by the spirit. So both Life by the flesh and life by the spirit bear fruit. Listen to the fruit that the flesh produces. And that is in verse 19 here. It says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, quite a contrasting, quite a contrasting list to the fruit of the spirit. So um, I think that that's very helpful to look at both of those. Our actions bear fruit, and of course, you reap what you sow. All of this is a a central doctrine throughout Scripture um, that we we will bear the fruit of our actions, consequences, sowing and reaping. But the fruit of the Spirit, when He's in you and you have surrendered your will for His, your inadequate power for His, you then have this potential, I want to go back to that word again, the potential to produce these nine character traits of the Holy Spirit, which is really growing to be more Christ-like. Many verses, we could turn to so many that would pretty much be saying the same thing. Now, these nine traits were all perfectly and powerfully demonstrated by Jesus Christ in his life. So as we spend time with Christ, reading the word, praying, getting to know him, worshiping him, we become like him. We start to take on these traits. It That helps the Holy Spirit then as he develops these traits. That's our part where we can spend time with him. And so we grow in these qualities. You know, it's we become like who we hang around with. Well, the same is true with Christ when we are in his presence, seeking him, wanting a relationship with him as he wants one with us even more, um, then we start to become like him in these qualities. Other results that is mentioned here in Galatians 5, when we are living by the fruit of the spirit rather than by the flesh, we have freedom from keeping the law. What does that mean? It means that we, the law has been kept for us through Christ. 
So we don't have to worry about our actions are this way or this way or keep or keeping a set of rules. It's all been done on on our behalf by Christ. He has perfectly met all the demands of the law of God to be holy. And then we step in and he gives us that holiness, that wholeness as a result. So we don't keep the law anymore. What we do, we have the Holy Spirit. We develop, we grow, we become more like Christ. And second, it says that when we have a life that's lived by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will have the ability to serve one another in love. So you contrast those two lists. Which list is going to uh, is going to equip us to serve one another with love? Certainly those nine beautiful traits of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, will cause us to serve one another in love. So when a thought comes into our head, either the flesh is going to answer it or the Spirit's going to answer that call. Yes. And when you read that first list of horrific things that go on when the flesh answers, is trouble. It is trouble. And it's not really living as God intended us to live. He wants so much more for us, so much more. But as we develop these nine qualities, um, again, we can't do it on our own, but through the power of the Lord, uh, we, we really have true living then, and we can love as we're supposed to love. So with the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, he's going to show us what we need to, this is how I heard it described to me, take off. In other words, you have to take off the old nature. So say you have a problem with um, a, a sin, like you're, you're unforgiving. What you have to do is take off unforgiveness confess that, repent of it, and start walking in the way of forgiveness, even though you may not feel like it, but with the Holy Spirit's help, you can be forgiving. So you take off what is the opposite, that first, that second list, and then you put on, replace it with the fruit of the Spirit. You know, it's never just a matter of self-discipline. It's really a repentance of the old way, mm-hmm. the old way I used to think, speak, treat people, putting that off. And then putting on, replacing them with a life lived by the Spirit. In fact, verse 16 here in chapter 5 again says, Walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. That's some really um, very evident uh, instruction that we should be every day walking with the Spirit. That means a relationship. That means uh, depending on him, living by him, being led by him. Now, that doesn't mean that we always have to pray, oh, Holy Spirit, do this and that. We can say, Lord Jesus, we can say, Father God, help me to know what to say or how to be discerning. Help me to hold my tongue here. Um, it, it, that's He's one God. So we can. It, it isn't a matter of just addressing the Holy Spirit when we have a need, when we want to walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and keep in step with the Spirit. Mm, wow. Now, Bev, let's rewind just a little bit because I've got a, uh, a very thoughtful listener uh, that asked me to bring this up. Um, and it's my friend Dave here who said, um, when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we're saved, we're also baptized in the Holy Spirit at that moment. Um, but some Christians believe that baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate event, like laying on of hands that occurs after we've been saved. And he was wondering your response to that position. I, I've read a lot of, about this uh, position with the Holy Spirit. Um, A.W. Tozer held this position that there was a second, called a second blessing, and it was 
very popular years ago. Some denominations are still uh, very much uh, involved with uh, trying to have this second blessing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I would say that uh, because of Ephesians 1, where it talks about us being uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, that he comes in, that he's the seal, that that um, he never leaves us, that it's the presence of God in our life, and he is the guarantor of eternal life. If he was coming and going like this, I mean, <laughs> what happened at conversion if not yeah. that? So my, my, my word would be that I think it's just a one-time experience, but certainly the church has been somewhat divided over it over mm-hmm. the centuries. It has a, been a division. Um, it, we're absolutely open to taking more questions if you would like. Uh, the text line is open. And that number is 877-933-2484. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And Bev, I got lots of questions for when we come back, and I know you've got a lot more material, so I'm looking forward to that. Maybe when we come back, we can also tackle um, what if we sin after we're a Christian? You know, that question, because with with this, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, every time you are sinning, you're basically forcing the Holy Spirit to sit through that sin with you to go through it with you. Mm. Um, so every bad joke you tell or everything you look at that you shouldn't be looking at, you're basically saying to the Holy Spirit, you're going to do this with me. It's sobering, isn't it? It is sobering. Yeah. I mean, think of him, think of Jesus standing behind you with his hand on your shoulder as you're engaging in some kind of sin yeah. and go, how do you feel about this? Yeah, maybe Brutal. we all need to remember that a lot. A strong image uh, I've got is. in my head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll take a short break. Again, the number 877-933-2484. Be right back. brings me joy. Tommy Emanuel, so good. All right, we're back in the studio with Beverly Canaris. We're talking about the uh, Holy Spirit, and we're going to dig into the fruits of the Holy Spirit, those nine wonderful fruits. I think we've got time to look at them individually, Bev. What do you think? I hope so, because it's, it's helpful to see what they look like in our lives and to kind of give some examples and things so that we can kind of evaluate, you know, which fruit is being underdeveloped, is not being developed in my life. And, you know, why did God prune me in this area, maybe in order to develop this particular fruit? So it's, it's a good word picture. All right. Let's start with the big, the big love. The big love. The big love. Well, many have thought that these nine traits really describe love. So just like from 1 Corinthians 13, where it talks about love is this, love Mm -hmm. is this, love is this. Well, some people feel that because it's listed first, that these eight other qualities really are describing love. So that's one opinion. I think it's it's true. And and that um, it said earlier that once we develop these fruits, we're able then to serve one another in love. So it does make sense to me. But this love that is here in the Bible is that self-sacrificing, agape love that God has for us, that Jesus Christ had for us, self-sacrificing on the cross, laying down his life for another, um, 
the the welfare of the beloved is more important than your own welfare. You put others above yourself. So it's a high call here to have uh, this love fruit in our lives. I remember, Bill, um, maybe 15, 20 years ago, um, I was in a very difficult place with my parents. And um, I just didn't know if I could say I love you to them anymore. We, we had really hit the skids. And so we kind of broke the relationship off. And um, I remember being so sad about that. But then the Lord gave me the idea, start asking me for the love. You don't have the love. You're right. You're right. You don't. But I do. And I love your parents. And I'm going to put my love for them in you. Oh, I can't tell you how that helped. I absolutely it wasn't so hard. They weren't so, you know, everything wasn't bothering me so much. I could go back into relationship with them because I just kept seeking the Lord, begging the Lord, Lord, love through me, these difficult issues and things with some very important people in my life. That's that's really amazing. Yeah. So again, I couldn't do it in my own strength. Mm, yeah. And yet I was a believer and I knew God's love was in me. And the only way I was going to be able to love in this situation was his love being, I I actually pictured it just coming in me and then going out to them. And so in a way, I felt like I was removed. um, And maybe this was part of the healing. And what happened is my heart started then again to feel the warmth. But sometimes it's just out of an act of obedience to love them and Somehow by having the Spirit do it through me, it freed me up to um, take those first steps in loving in return. So I have really experienced uh, a powerful uh, presence of the Holy Spirit in love. The other one would be joy. That's the second one here. Biblical joy is so different than what we call, you know, fun or good times or joyful things here. Um, Biblical joy is in the midst of troubles and suffering. God can still give you a resolved inner joy that's hard to explain to others because, again, it, it's so deep and it's so of God, it, the world has a hard time explaining it. But when they see it, they're fascinated. How can you be joyful at this or this in your life? Um, but again, it's that inward joy. And what it really is, it's knowing that you're loved. Even though you might be in these circumstances, it's not great. But just knowing that you're loved, that he gave his life for you, that you're important to him and his eyes are always upon you, that he's sovereign in your life. All of these things that are, you, you can believe his word that says everything's working for good. That kind of joy, no one can take away. No circumstance mm can take away that kind of biblical joy. And that has a lot to do with trusting. If we're not trusting God, we're not going to have that fruit developed in our life as much because joy, having joy in difficult circumstances is really trusting God. What if you're trusting God, but you just don't like what might be ahead and the suffering that's inevitable that you have to go through? And you're trusting God, but you're just dreading some of the pain and suffering that you know is ahead. Yeah, well, I think we have to take it moment by moment, hour by hour, and not dread what's ahead. A lot of people project into the future, though, and they create scenarios in their head that may or may not happen. 
and then insert them into their head today as if they are happening, and it's paralyzing. It is. Not That's, that I would know from You're describing any perfectly worry. Thank you. Worry. Thank you. It's chapter four in my book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> worry is uh, a problem. It can. St- it's a joy stealer. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that steal your joy. Yeah. Worry. You, you don't control the future. How can you? Con- you can't control the future. All you can control is right now. And I've resolved that I am going to feel the joy of the Lord, even though my life may be crumbling around me. I'm going to have this inward joy. This secret hidden place with the Lord that no circumstance is going to rob me of. That's joy. That's biblical joy. I like that. I do too. Let's move on to peace. Peace I love. I want more of it. We all do. And I think of Jesus in John 14, 27 that says, peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace I give you. Isn't that cool? It is. Again. I don't give it as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. That is such good news. Someone has said these nine traits are all supernatural. And to have peace, again, that supernatural God's peace. Again, it's nothing you create in your being because you just want to worry, right? We all want to worry and fear. That's the default. uh, Yeah, and be anxious about everything. Um, But this is a supernatural peace from God in our life. Jesus' peace. Remember, the presence of the Holy Spirit is Jesus in us as well as the Holy Spirit. Remember, we have the Father, we have the Son, and the Holy Spirit within us. And this supernatural peace He gives us. And He says, not as the world gives. The world will try to give you peace. What kind of peace do they go? Well, you know, just buy this product and you're going to have peace and live happily ever after. Right. Mm. Right. So, this kind of peace, it, it's, it's more than just less anxiety or uh, worry. What this peace really is, is um, a wholeness. When you read peace or shalom in the Bible, it's talking about a wholeness that God wants us to have, um, a rest, and again, a trusting in Him. Peace, it's supernatural in us. It's the peace of Christ. And I know I've heard you share and I've heard many others share. I just heard someone this morning share. What did she feel at the, at the moment when she received Christ? And that was peace. Where did that come from? Came right from the Holy Spirit. Supernatural, wasn't it? Well, the Holy Spirit took up residence in that person's life instantaneously. Oh. Yeah. They went from being unregenerated and lost to being found and saved with the promise, guarantee of the Holy Spirit that took up residence that second. That's peace. That that is peace. That is peace. Peace in your soul Mm -hmm. that nothing else here on this, in this earth can offer you. you don't know that peace and you're sitting here today listening to this program and maybe you, maybe you came across the program by accident um, and you're thinking, I'm, I'm not, there, I don't have that peace. You can know that peace right now by inviting Jesus to come into your life, to ask him to forgive of your sins and believe that he is who he says he was, the son of God that came down from heaven, died for your sin, was buried and resurrected, and now can be living in you starting now. All you need to do is ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and invite him into your life. 
and today would be your day of salvation. Mm, I love that. That is the gospel right there, and that's something everybody needs to hear. And then there's the responsibility to respond to it. So I hope that many are responding now as they heard that and they desire this peace. And another aspect of this peace is peace with God. Bill, when you when you seek God, like you just described, as your Lord and Savior, you, you ask him into your life, you repent of your sin, um, you have a peace with God. And many people don't even realize that they're enemies of God, but that's what Scripture says. We are enemies of God because of our sin. And once we have uh, received Christ, we are no longer enemies. We become friends. We become uh, children of God. So that's peace. You know, with that great feeling when, you, when you've when you mended this relationship and all is well and you and your husband or you were a wife, you're, you're holding hands and you've made up and it's just the sweetest time. Well, and there's peace. This is what we, happens when we receive Christ. We have this peace finally with God. We are no longer his enemies. We are made right with him. Absolutely. peace. Peace. The best oh, ever. So right. deep. So eternal. All right. Let's stay in the, in the P mode so we're not at patience. Patience. Um, my Bible says forbearance. I prefer the word patience. I can relate to that a lot Me more. Um, it's really learning to wait. And how often does God use waiting, which we never mm. enjoy, as a way to develop fruit in our life? It's the way that he matures us. It's a way that we learn how to seek him for those things that we need. Uh, patience is a quality of a humble soul as well. I look at it as having a long fuse. I try to remind myself, have a long fuse. Beverly, have a long fuse. I'm not going to let the little things get me off on a tithy. I'm just going to have a long fuse. I'm going to decide that I I have a long fuse through the help of the Holy Spirit. It's really, too, in patience, it's not having your own way. Impatient people want their own way. You know, they want that car in front of them to stop hitting on their brakes, right? So we become impatient. We start banging on the wheel a little bit and talking out loud into space. We're talking to no one. Um, or we're, we want to pressure others because we're impatient. We want to pressure others to hurry up and do this or do that or do it our way. So patience is very important. I think of our children too. How do we teach our children patience? Well, one way is to um, not give in to the immediate gratification. Our, our natural bent is we want it and we want it now. But the sign of maturity is that you are willing to have delayed gratification, that you're willing to save up for that new iPhone that the child wants. You know, that it just is the parents, if they just, boom, boom, there it is, instant gratification. I think that's a lot why screens and video games and all of these things are so popular. It's the instant. It's the instant gratification Mm -hmm. that we get. So we never really develop this idea of persevering, what it means to to continue to work hard, to do the right thing, to save that money um, in order to receive that goal. We need goals to be working for. If everything is instantaneous, we, we don't develop the patient. You know, look at Jesus. He was never in a hurry. Remember when it's in the scripture when it talked about how the brothers were trying to pressure Jesus to go up to Jerusalem? Mm-hmm. And he said, my time has not yet come to go. You mm-hmm. can go anytime. Yeah. He was under the Father's timetable, never saw him rush, never heard him say to the disciples, hurry up and get in the boat. Mm-hmm. Never. Mm-hmm. Um, he 
was very deliberate and he walked in God's timing. He waited for God's time in all of this. Um, and that that is the character tr- characteristic we want to develop in our life, that we have the patience to wait and to walk in God's ways and not run ahead of him or lag behind him. So patience, forbearance, uh, being patient with others, being patient um, in, in training up our children, looking forward to the reward of when they're adults, this all this uh, long, extensive training um, will have paid off. But mm. it takes patience. Yeah. Beverly Canaris is my guest in studio. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and really having some great time going through the nine fruits. We're going to finish that when we come back. Otherwise, we'll take a very short break and be right back with Bev Canaris. the show. Beverly Canaris is in my studio. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and we're getting through the fruits and let's see, we finished patience. Now we got to go to kindness. I love this word, All kindness. Right. It's a good word. Isn't it? Oh, that's great. It's simple. It's straightforward. And yet at times we're so challenged to be even kind. It doesn't, you know, love is one thing, but here it's, it's kindness, just being kind to people. You know, often at these wedding showers, they'll ask the women who've been married many years, you know, what's your advice for this young bride? And I always try to include kindness. I really believe that kindness goes so far in marriage and in all of our relationships. Simply be kind. You know, what can happen is we're, oh, sure, we're kind to strangers and everybody at work or outside. And then we go home and we're not kind. So kindness is a very important key to good relationships. What can happen is instead of kindness, all of a sudden our mouth can get kind of start to pick on things. Um, Our words get snarky. Don't you love that word? Snarky words. Um, Wasn't that long ago I realized I I was kind of being snarky. And I, I really had to ask the Lord to forgive me because I don't want to be an unkind person. I always want my words to be kind and loving towards others. Even my kids growing up, you know, all the fighting and it's hardly being, they're not being kind to each other. So the verse I always said to them, I bet they can quote it even today was Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God has forgiven you. So I think that in parenting, teaching kindness is, is a big deal as well. Um, kids can be very cruel. Adults can be very cruel. Um, a lack of kindness is a relationship killer. Just eat words, thoughtful little things we do, kind things we do for people who are suffering. Kindness, just look how kind Christ was. I just think of how he handled the woman who was caught in adultery. He handled her with such kindness. And I think sometimes when we're in our guilt and our sin and feeling terrible, we expect the Lord to come in like, all right, you rotten sinner. <laughs> Repent, lay down on the floor and weep. Well, we may, and we may feel that bad. But God comes in and says, I love you. And I sent my son to die for that very sin. I forgive you. My blood has covered up. 
Now rise and go and sin no more. That's exactly what he did to the Mm -hmm. woman caught in adultery. He handled it with such kindness. And when we're speaking about Christ and Christian things, we need to speak with kindness, not with threats or, you know, the heavy hand of God. I mean, there's a place for that. But generally speaking, uh, I think we need to really demonstrate and, and develop this fruit of just being kind to one another. All right. Goodness, that's a nice one to follow, kindness. It is, isn't it? But no, what, do you, yeah. what do you mean by goodness? That just seems so broad, doesn't yeah, what, it? what does it mean? Well, you know, Jesus said to the rich young ruler that there's only one who is good, and that's God himself. So... I always thought that was kind of an odd answer. Wasn't that an odd answer? I thought so, yeah. But he's, he's trying to tell um, this young man that he's speaking to God. Only God is good. He said, good teacher. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus said, only God is good. It, it was his way, I think, of telling him... Um, that he is God, God alone is good, and that this young man has a need for the goodness that Christ was offering. We need God in us through the Holy Spirit in order to do what is good and right. We don't naturally, I mean, yeah, we can be a lot, you know, a good person and we, you know, we haven't hurt anybody. We're, we're a good person. But apart from Christ, um, we are still enemies of God. And even our good works are tainted with sin and self-motivation. And so it's not goodness we're displaying. The only goodness that God accepts is the goodness that comes through him and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, how do we develop goodness? Well, God uses the Bible to do this. As we read and we study it, it causes us to grow in goodness, in obedience, we apply it to our lives, asking God to help us to want to apply it to our lives, to want to become more obedient to the Lord. And when we do this, we have this fruit being developed in our life of goodness. We're choosing God's way, which is goodness, things that are goodness to him with the pure, with more pure motives than just doing good works. Um, we can't do goodness. We can't be good on our own. It's only the only good in me, as uh, David said in Psalm 16, the only good in me is you, Lord. That's the goodness in me. It's the presence of the Lord in my life. It's a fun affirmation to give someone to say what you did was a really a good thing to do. It is. Yeah, because it no one doesn't like that. Exactly. Yeah, that's a it's great a powerful word. Yeah, oh yeah, it is. Even though it's quite general, but we all we all want to be good. We want to help other people be good. Um, but we don't often know how to do it, and and we don't have the power to do it or be good uh, as a person. So mm-hmm. that's why we are so dependent on the Holy Spirit to develop this fruit in our life. And it really is God's goodness being worked out in us. Okay. Let's move on to faithfulness, because we should have saved a lot of time for self-control. Oh. And we're running out of time. We are. Faithfulness. You know, we sing, great is his faithfulness. God is utterly faithful in all he's done, all he does. He's faithful to his word, to his promises. He's faithful in his love for us. He's faithful in every aspect of our personal lives. But then we have to ask, is this being developed in my life? How faithful are we? Are we faithful to keep our word? Are we faithful to those we love? Are we faithful to God in worshiping only him? Again, we're weak. We're desperate to have the Lord's own faithfulness empowering us to do the same. Lord, Mm -hmm. help me to be faithful. Gentleness. 
This is very descriptive, isn't it? The original language here has the idea of tenderness or meekness, power under control. I love that definition of meekness. I love that, power under Under control. control. It's a humbleness. Uh, It's not about being weak or spineless or too timid. Jesus called himself in Matthew 11, gentle and humble. The opposite of gentleness really is the prideful person who thinks my word, my way or the highway. You know, they won't submit to God. I wonder, do we lack gentleness? Are we prone to being arrogant, proud, boastful, rude, overbearing? I think a good judge of this is, how do we treat service people? How do we do that? Are we kind? Do we pay attention to them? Um, How do you handle it when you're overlooked and another one is praised? How do you handle unforgiveness? Unforgiveness drains gentleness. All of a sudden, you've lost your gentleness, self-control. Let's get to it. This is this is the pinnacle. A lot this, of people say they all come down, mm-hmm. come to this. Now, this is the hard one. Self-discipline, so challenging. Just try to diet, you know, just that to tell you alone, you, we all lack some <laughs> self-control. <laughs> or how about controlling the tongue? You know, James has a lot to say. The book of James has a lot to say about controlling the tongue. Our tongue can be gossipy and critical. How about the self-control in addictions? We're so helpless in addictions often. Or wanting to strike back for revenge. We, we lack that control. We strike back. Or even the spiritual disciplines of reading our Bible, being consistent in our worship and our prayer. And then there is the self-control when it comes to things, worldly things. When is enough enough? Enough money, enough clothes, cars, all those worldly things. Do we have self-control in our minds? There's a hard one. The way we worry, doubts open to the enemy's lies, that too is a self-control. But again, warning, warning, we are weak and in need of the supernatural self-control that comes from and through the Holy Spirit in our lives as we seek him for the strength we need. Remember this, God wants you to manifest the potential of this fruit bearing. He's for you and he has given all of us all we need in order to demonstrate and develop each one of these beautiful nine traits. Well, I know, um, Bev, when you are in Christ, or you're abiding in Christ, you have the restraining power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So you have a power. You, you do. You can say no. You can say no to yes. sin. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, you can. And if you choose to say yes to sin... It's you have given up that power. Yes. You have gone against that, and you've chosen to sin. And when you consistently do that, you grieve the Holy Spirit. You silence the Holy Spirit in your life, just like a screw. When you keep screwing it, you yeah. know, you can it, you shred the, the things, yeah. and that Strip can it. happen. Yeah. Uh, the Holy Spirit becomes not as operative in his life, in our life, as we would like. But remember, every true Christian has the Holy Spirit indwelling them. Every Christian has such great potential to develop these amazing nine traits. Mm -hmm. But we can't do it on our own. We have to follow him, and then we will be led to this abundant life and be able to serve one another with love. Yeah. Well, dig into Galatians 5 tonight and and go through and meditate on these wonderful fruits, this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Know that these are... These are fruits that that God has given you, and you can enjoy more of them. And maybe a year from now, you'll say, do I have more love? Do I have more joy? Do I have more peace, more patience than last year? And if the answer is no, well, you know, God will help you. Bab, thanks for coming in the studio. 
It's been a joy. We've got a, <laughs> a, a big interview coming up next time we're together. Um, there's the tease. There it is. All right, all right. That wraps up our show. Uh, if you missed any of it, go to MyFaithRadio.com. You can check out Bob and Cheryl Moeller. They were my first hour talking about the six hearts of intimacy, enjoy deeper love and passion in marriage. And Beverly Canaris, we talked about the Holy Spirit. That wraps up the show. I'll see you tomorrow. Good night, everyone.